more or less what we think it to be, or is there something greater or bigger, or what does that actually look like? We also ask the question, where does it come from? Where does it come from? Does it come from your feelings? Does it come from your thoughts? Does it come from your surroundings? Does it come from your circumstances? Does it come from your upbringing? Does it come from, you know, F, all of the above? Where does it actually come from? We also ask the question, this one's an important one, what is your identity? It's a little bit different from actual identity. What is your identity? How does that work? And again, with all the other questions, where does it come from? And the last question we asked is this, like, why are these important questions to answer? Why does it actually matter when we talk about identity? Because here's the thing. What we did is we logically worked out that identity is the realization, the understanding, and the fulfillment of your purpose. That, it, that it, if, if we broke it down, it kind of gives you value. It, it gives you a little bit of worth. But we also kind of figured out that you can't have uh, the, your value and your worth. It can't come from the temporary things of this world. It can't come from the awards. It can't come from the accolades. It can't come from just this world because those things are temporary. Nobody would argue against that whether you're a Christian or not. But because they're temporary, they lead to temporary fulfillment. And while we don't want temporary joy and fulfillment, because then that means our purpose and our identity is therefore temporary. And those can't coexist. That doesn't really work out. But most importantly, what we figured out is that we realized when we, we lean into the truth of God, and when we lean in that you were uniquely made, that you were made in the image of God, that you have intrinsic worth, that your identity then becomes eternal because while you, were a, you become a citizen of heaven, you become adopted into a new family. And if that's true, follow me, and I believe it is, then you were made for more. And that's the title of the message today, if you're taking notes. You were made for more than just to live a good life and then to die and just rot or be cremated or, as my father-in-law wants, he wants to be turned into an artificial reef. Like, you're made for more than that. It sounds pretty cool, to be honest. I'm not going to lie. But here's the thing. When you were created, grasp this with me today. When you were created, God, it says in Genesis, God breathed life into your nostrils. So what that means is then you became, you ready for this? You became a steward of God's breath. How crazy is that? Now, some of you are sitting there going, well, that's cute and all, Ryan, but I'd be perfectly honest with you. Um, in the midst of all this, whatever your this is, because I know you got a this, I got a this, everybody's got a this, something they're going through, that you don't feel very purposeful. That you don't feel very like, like I have a godly identity. As a matter of fact, you're like, I don't actually really want to be a steward of God's breath right now because I'm not in the mood. Because of whatever this is. And to be perfectly honest with you, I'm with you. Probably too many days, more days than I, I would like to admit. So the question begs is, well, how do we, how do we change that? Because we don't want to live like that. Well, the first thing you have to realize is that you're not the first person to struggle with it. I'm not the first person to struggle with that. And so I want to take a look at a, a, a kind of a, a little cool little part of scripture um, that kind of gets passed over. It's not really uh, it's not really one that you put on like the motivational like posters on your office kind of thing. And I believe that it's going to speak to us today. And then I want to I want to talk a little Old Testament if that's cool with you. So I want to take a look at, at Luke, and, and actually I want to take a look at Acts, which was written by a guy by the name of Luke, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke. That's good branding for you. And this is what he said. He was talking about David of the Old Testament. This is, uh, again, if you're not even a Christian, you, you probably know or have heard about David. This is David and Goliath, right? This is man after God's own heart. This is also the guy that did some kind of not so great things and was running for his life for half of it, basically. And he was a little bit problematic. And this is what Luke, 
writing in Acts, wrote about him. This is what he said. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. Now, the last part is a little bit disgusting, but the first part is pretty amazing. It says that he served God's purpose in his own generation. What he did is he found his calling. He found his why. He found his, he found his reasoning. And what David understood in that moment, David understood something that you and I seem to struggle to grasp so often. What David understood is this, is that the, the greatest tragedy in this world is not death. The greatest tragedy in this world is living a life without a why. Living a life without a purpose. Living a life without a true identity. In other words, you live without reason. And you're just living for you. And I would argue for many of you right now, I know certainly for me, if I'm just going to be honest, that sometimes I feel like I'm living without a purpose. And that's what's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. And if you're living without a purpose, and purpose is related to identity, well, then you're living without a true identity. And that's a problem that we got to remedy. So let's remedy that. I got three things for you today. And then we'll get out of here and we'll have a great day. It's going to be incredible. So check this out. See, David was serving God's purpose in his own generation. That's what we, that's what we just learned. So what we can take from that is got to understand that your purpose isn't for you. Notice how it says serving his purpose, God's purpose in his own journey. Your purpose is God's purpose. And it's super important that we start right here because that mindset changes everything. See, identity is the realization and the fulfillment of that purpose. But you got to understand that your purpose is not about you, that your purpose is God's purpose. Your purpose is actually about your creator, your heavenly father, his purpose. And if you understand that, then it changes your perspective on everything. And if you understand that, you can be David in the Old Testament in Psalm 57. See, so he was running for his life. Saul is after him. He's trying to kill him. He is literally on the run, running for his life. He's starving to death. He's being hunted. And he wrote Psalm 57. And we're going to put it up on the screen for you. I want to watch this. This is incredible. He says, have mercy on me, O God, have mercy. Like, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm dying here. Like, help me out, God. Like, I'll look for, for, to you for your protection. If it, I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes off. Basically, the people that are hunting me, until they get, I'll, I'll hide with you, God, until they go. Because I don't, well, I don't want to die. And it says, now look at this. Verse 2. I cry out to the God most high. To the God who will fulfill his purpose. Not my purpose. Not save me. Not look at me, God. I need your help because I need to do a thing. And I need to, no, 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 no. His purpose for me. He will send help because it's about his purpose, not about, he'll send help if I need it from heaven to rescue me. Disgracing those who hound me. You ever wish that God would like disgrace those that hound you? I'm going to pray this way. It's in the Bible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray it, right? He's going to disgrace those who hound me. My God will send forth his unfailing love and his faithfulness. He's basically saying, I'm trusting you, God, that your purpose is for me. And so, I'm going to trust that in your purpose, because frankly, I'm in a bad place. Look at what verse 4 says. He says, I'm surrounded by fierce lions who greedily devour human prey, whose teeth pierce like spears and arrows, whose tongues cut like swords. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. I'm still praising you. May your glory shine over all the earth. But God, check it out, verse 6. My enemies have set a trap for me, and I am tired. 
man, I'm weary. God, I'm running. I'm, I'm not going to make it without you, without your purpose. I'm weary from distress. Let me ask you a question. You ever been in a bad place? You ever been, you ever, you ever been in a bad place when it, when it comes to your relationships? When it, when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to your job, when it comes to your finances, when it comes to your kids, when it comes to a, your home, when it, when it comes to, again, F all the above. When it, David is right there with you right now. We're not the first to struggle with this. David is right there. In that moment, though, you have to understand what David understood, which is it isn't about your purpose. It's about God's purpose. And when you understand that, it changes everything. It changes, shifts your perspective. And you can finish Psalm 57 the way David does. Because look at what he says at the end of this. He's running for his life. He's literally about to die. He says, with all that, my heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. As a matter of fact, he says, I'm going to say it twice. My heart is confident. No wonder. I'm so confident in you, God. I'm so confident in your purpose. I can sing your praises. And you know what? I'm going to thank you. I'm about to die probably, but I'm going to thank you anyways. You know, I'm going to thank you so much. I'm going to thank you among all the people. I'm going to sing your praises among all the nation. Despite what's going on, despite how I'm surrounded, despite how I'm going to die, my heart is so confident in your purpose. My identity is caught up in your purpose, not my purpose, your purpose. I'm so confident in that that I'm going to sing your praises. That can only be found not here. What I love about David in this moment is he's not trying to fulfill his purpose. And he's not trying to find it either. Right? He's not, he's not, trying, to like, he's not trying to like go out and find it. No. He's just trusting in God for his purpose. Now here's the thing. If we're going to keep talking about purpose though, we ought to define it. And the way I think about purpose is this. Your purpose is your original intent. That there's an original purpose by a designer on your life. You were created for a purpose outside of yourself. The challenge is, if you don't know your purpose, well, then you can't know your identity. And if you don't have an identity, as we talked about before, then you very well won't feel like you have any worth. And you won't feel like you have any value, which then leads to a poor identity, which leads to less value and less worth, which then leads to less purpose, which leads to less identity. You get the point. That's a problem. Because you and I know that each and every one of us, don't miss this, each and every one of us was made in the image of God. You are unique. And so you and I have intrinsic value and intrinsic worth by our creator. Nothing else. And so you and I have value and worth found in God, which means that we have a good identity, which means we have a purpose, which means we have value and worth and identity. But so many of us, don't realize that we were made for more, that we were made for heaven. And you're living for this world. You're searching this world for something that this world can't offer you. You need to embrace the truth that your identity is found not in the things of this world, but found in God's purpose. That your purpose is not for you. Your purpose is God's purpose. That's number one. The second thing is this. Write it down. You don't find your purpose. You serve God's purpose. David wasn't out pursuing his dream. It wasn't about David's bucket list when he was living his life. No. As a matter of fact, when um, Samuel the prophet showed up to the house of Ben-Jesse, he said, he said, listen, God has told me that I need to come to this house and I'm going to anoint the next king of Israel. 
Ben Jesse's like, do I have a guy for you? And he brings out his oldest son, right? He's super good looking, super handsome. He's strong, got the highest SAT scores. He's like captain of the football team. Might even look like your island campus pastor. I don't know. I'm just putting it in there. But listen, he shows up on the scene and God's like, no, that's not him. Like, Ben Jesse's like, oh, okay, well, I got like 14 other sons, so I'm like, and this one, and this one. No, that's not him, that's not him, that's not him. They go down all the line, and while all this is going on, do you know what David was doing? I can tell you what he's not doing. He's not strategizing about David's brand and how he's going to get noticed and how he's going to make a name for himself, and it's going to be all about me, and here's my resume, and I'm going to be TikTok famous. No, you know what he was doing? He was taking care of sheep. Look at this, look at this. God chose his servant David, calling him from the sheep pen. See, some of you are trying to get the spotlight when you need to be where God puts you, doing what God puts you and told you to do. But you don't want to hear that today. Look at what it says. He says, he took David from tending the ewes and the lambs and made him a shepherd of Jacob's descendants, God's own people. He wasn't seeking a purpose. He was serving a purpose. And he served his purpose in his own generation. We learned that in Luke. Your purpose is not for you. Your purpose is God's purpose. And you don't find your purpose, you serve God's purpose. Now, it begs the question, though, what does that even look like? Like, how do, how do I glorify him, serve his purpose, and not abuse the original intent on my life by my creator? Well, that's number three, right here on the screen. Write it down. If you want to serve God's purpose, start serving God's people. Now, I can look on... Your faces, believe it or not, we can see everything. We see everything up here. When you're on your phone, it just lights your face up, just a heads up. But I can, I can look at some of your faces, and you're going, that's it? He's like, that's it? Like, that's so lame. Like, it's got to be bigger than that. Like, like, like I, I, I want to I write a book. I want to tell my story. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to start businesses. I want to make six figures. I want to make seven figures. I, I want to be an influencer. That's so lame. You know what's not lame? Love. Love's not lame. And if you want to serve God's purpose, you got to love God's people and serve them the way he did. Because God is love. But don't take my word for it. I'm just a guy with a microphone. Take Jesus' word for it. Look at what he says. He says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. You want to know what your purpose is? You want to know what your identity is? Serve God's purpose by serving God's people. It's not about you. It's not about your glory. It's not about you. As we finish today, I want to tell you a story. It's a story that was told by Tim Tebow. You may or may not know who that is. And so if, if, if I have your permission, I would like to tell a story that, that he tells. Because I've heard it a couple times and I just, I can't get it out of my soul and I want to share it with you. He talks about this, um, what's called the Gator Walk. At the University of Florida on Gator Home Games, where I went to school and I met my incredible wife. Like, they put the entire football team up in hotels before Gator football games so that they don't get, a, you know, they can't go out and get in trouble. Keep an eye on them. And they pick them up on a Saturday, on, and they, they drive, and they go over to University Boulevard, and they park. And they're parking on the north end of Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, the swamp. And between there is about 100 yards of red brick. I actually own one of those bricks. It says Monica and Ryan Weber, and it says our wedding anniversary on it. It was my wedding gift to my wife. And on a, on a Saturday, on a typical Saturday, Tim would say that he would get off the bus... And he would go to walk, the gator walk, 
and there'd be anywhere between 20 to 30 to 40,000 fans lining this 100 yards, and they would be cheering for him. And he talks about how he, he, would, he got off the bus one time, and he looked around, and he just heard all these voices at him. And he started to say, like, man, I, I'm kind like, of a thing, right? Like, I'm kind of awesome. And he looked down to the crowd, and he saw thousands of people wearing his jersey, his number. And he started thinking, man, I'm, I'm doing a thing. I'm pretty balling. Like, man, I'm, I'm doing something here. I'm pretty important. But he said out of all the voices that he heard, out of all the voices that were the 20 to 30 to 40,000 people, the voice that he could hear the most was pride and then arrogance. And week after week, it would get worse and worse. And that's all he could think of. He's like, oh, man, they had eye black on it and they had verses that I had written on it because I did it. And it was all about him. And it came to, he says, it came to like a tipping point. And right around the time that it came to a tipping point, he stumbled across an image that is labeled as one of time's most 100 influential images ever photographed. And this is the image that he came across. What this is, is a girl. And she's on her way to a feeding center. And she's moving so slow, and she's so hurt, that there's a vulture waiting for her to die. And I, I want to believe so much that this photographer who took this photo wanted to do something. Wanted to do something good, right? He, he, because he was there, and, 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 and he saw that, so he took the picture. And so he waited, as the story goes. He waited around, and, and the vulture got a little bit closer, so he shooed the vulture away. And he waited a little bit. And she'd move, and she'd crawl a little bit more, and then he shooed the vulture away because it would get any even any closer. But that photographer, he was there to take pictures. And he was told by the officials of that country and the political unrest and all the things that were going on and that the sickness and because of all the sickness, because of all the malnutrition and the famine that was going on because of the political unrest in this country at that time, do not touch him. Don't help him. Don't step in. Don't do anything. And so that photographer did it. And he left. And in 1993, he took that photo back to the New York Times, and they printed it. And in 1994, he won a Pulitzer Prize for that photograph. And then four months later, he took his life. Every single one of us has a chance to be successful. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with success. There's absolutely nothing wrong with success. But the problem with individual success is it's all about you. It's all about the individual. It's what you did, what you made, what you wrote, what you said, how good you are. But God wants to offer you so much more because you were made for more. You were made to work within the identity of Christ. 
not your identity. It's not about your purpose. It's about God's purpose. And when you have that, you have something that's so much bigger and so much more than success because what you have is significance. The interesting thing about significance is you can't have true significance without involving other people, without other people being affected. The man who took that picture, he had success. He had the greatest honor that the world could ever bestow on a photographer. He had a Pulitzer Prize, and it wasn't enough to save his life. It wasn't enough to save him from the depression. See, success is great, but if it ends and st it stops right there, it doesn't lead to something more significant. If it only stays with you, then the success and the accolades and the awards and all the money, it's all temporary. It'll never be enough. I pray that you never lose the urgency, that sense of urgency that it's not about your purpose. It's about God's purpose. It's not about your identity. It's about identity in Christ. So you might be asking yourself, well, so what's, the, what's God's purpose? Love. And what's Christ's identity? You already know the answer. You don't even have to be a Christian to know the answer about what Christ's identity is. For God so loved the world, he gave his son, he gave Jesus Christ to you and I so that you and I could have, if we would just believe in him, if we would just put our identity in him, if we would just focus in on him, you and I would have the gift, the free gift of eternal life. You were made in that image of love. You and I are unique in that way. I said, the, I said earlier that the greatest tragedy in life is, is living a life without purpose, and I believe that to be true, but one of the reasons I believe it to be true because one of the greatest tragedies of life is looking back on your life and saying, I was so successful at the things that didn't matter. I was so successful at the things that didn't matter. I want a Pulitzer Prize, but it didn't matter to that girl. It had no real significance. See, to her... Success would have been making it to that feeding center and not dying. That's success to her. But you know what significance to her would have been? It's so much simpler. Love. Because love would have picked her up, dusted her off, made sure she was more than just fed food, but fed the gospel And cared for in a way that she wasn't. I want you, I, I want you to be successful. I really do. I, I want you to, I want you to win those awards. I really do. There's nothing wrong with it. I want you to have all the accolades. I want you to, I want you to sell those homes and get those promotions and write those books. And man, I want you to have all those things. But I also know that you were made for so much more more than anything that you and I could ever manufacture in this earth. And when you realize that, that it's the significance that matters, that significance is so much greater than success, it begins to change our perspective on everything. So how do we get significance? You do what Jesus did. You do what Jesus did. You love God, you love people, and you make disciples. You love God, you love people, 
and then make disciples. I read that somewhere. But if you do that, when you do that, I'm going to speak it, when you do that, I believe that you will have a life of significance no matter what this world tells you. Because your identity, your purpose will no longer be in you, about you, about your success. It'll be about the significance of God and his love in your world. And your identity and your purpose will no longer be found in you and in this world and the awards and the accolades and stuff like that. You'll still get them. But instead, it will be found in the eternal things. Your success will no longer be measured by worldly gains. Instead, it will be measured in eternal gains. Let me pray for you as we close today. God, I thank you for just, oh man, God, I just thank you for your son. I thank you for your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy. you for what you're doing here. I thank you for the people that get to hear your gospel. But God, I pray that you would fill these seats, not so that we could say, look at us, look at us go. We filled these seats. No, God, I wish that you would fill these seats and that we would work hard to do what we're supposed to do in the natural to do it so that more and more people could see your love and your significance. pray that I can be more and more like you. And not care about the things of this world, but instead care about your purpose for my life. God, I thank you again for what you're doing here. But I thank you most of all for your son, Jesus Christ, who you sent to die on a cross so that you and I here don't have to spend eternity without God, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you above all things. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Just a quick reminder before I let you go. Next week is last Sunday. So happy Thanksgiving if I don't see you. But we won't be here. We'll be out serving the community. So I challenge you. You want to start being more like Jesus? You got to serve God's people. You want to have an identity in him? You got to serve God's people. You got to love them the way he did. And he loved everyone. So you have a perfect opportunity to do that this Thanksgiving. I look forward to hearing the incredible stories that you bring back about how you served God's people this week. Don't show up here on Sunday. We won't be here. You'll be by yourself in the cold. But we'll see you in the first week of December. Love you guys. Have a great week.